0: Hey, this is Greg Harvey, pastor at Embrace Church. Enjoy today's message and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming sermons. I want to make you hungry for the Spirit and a move of the Spirit in your life. So this morning it's, but why Holy Spirit? But why the Holy Spirit? And I I think this is really a lot of... It brings a lot of fear whenever we talk about the Holy Spirit because of stereotypes that we might have and misconceptions that we might have. I I, I really believe the devil fought hard to bring a lot of confusion in the church. and, And I believe he did this because when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts, he lost control and and these these people who were filled with the spirit turned the world upside down for Christ that's literally I love that it's a literal verse in the bible where they described them that way it said these people who turned the world upside down are here i mean they they literally just just moved let the power of god move so much in their lives that it, it affected every area they went And over the years in church history, if you study church history, it faded. And then there's revitalizations in the in revivals. The Great Awakening, you'd see it. In John Wesley revivals, you would see it. You would see the Holy Spirit being poured out. And, and in the late 1800s, in the early 1900s with, with the Azusa Street revivals, the revitalization the, of the Holy Spirit. And, and, the, and the enemy, I think, saw an opportunity. And he said, I don't want this to to happen again. I don't want to lose control. So so he went in with a different strategy and he said, I'm going to call this thing weird. I'm going to focus on some areas that weren't God, but people getting over exuberant and over excited weird people that decided, let's handle snakes in church and call it God crazy stuff don't worry we don't handle snakes we, still, we see them we kill them we ask later in photos on Facebook was this poisonous or not what kind of snake was this I just killed it oh that's a good snake oh well it's a dead snake There's weird things that happen. How many how many you grew up in church and you saw some weird things happening? Come on, I get to raise all my hands on that one. Get some feet going. And I don't want you to think of the Holy Spirit as weird. Because if you believe this lie that it's weird, you think I don't want any part of this. And I'll tell you, this is so vital to your life. You need the Holy Spirit operating in your life. So I want to bring some just, just some Scripture and some context. And later, after service, we've been leading up to this, and I've told you uh, about for a couple of weeks that, that we're going to have a spirit baptism this morning. We had a water baptism a couple of weeks ago, and that was awesome. Today we're going to have a spirit baptism. And if you've never been filled with the Spirit or baptized in the Spirit, I believe this morning, uh, He will be poured out on you. Come on, because it's a gift for you, so you get to receive that this morning. It's going to be awesome. So, so let me just start off this morning of just introducing you to the Holy Spirit because I want to tell you about Him. Because I, I uh, if I know, I know if you know Him like I know Him, you want Him involved in your life. If you know Him like I know Him, you'll want His presence. You'll want his, his his just comfort. You'll want Him involved. Not just so that I can feel goosebumps on a Sunday, but so that I can walk in His presence on Monday. And I can change those around me on Tuesday. And I can live his His teachings on when come on do you know what i'm saying i'm he wants involved in your life every day. Jesus said this in john chapter chapter fourteen verse sixteen he said, "I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper uh, another you catch that he's saying i am a helper but but I want to pray you get another one And he may abide with you forever. Just I'm just here for a little while, but this other one is going to abide with you for forever. Come on, do you do you see that word forever? Let me tell you what that word forever means. It does not mean when the New Testament is done being written. Forever doesn't have an ending. So 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 he's saying I'm going to I'm going to pray and he'll send you another that he may abide with you on earth his people forever there's no more stopping of this so don't buy into this lie that the holy spirit is just for back then because he didn't put a stopping point on this I mean, he'll abide with you for ever and the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and look at this and will be in you not not just with you but in you jesus just said said said, said again in 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 John chapter 16, verse 5, he said, But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, Where are you going? In other words, he didn't he didn't have time for stupid questions. He said, none of y'all even asked me this. Just want to get to the point. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. That's crazy to think. Jesus talking to his disciples, he said, It's to your advantage that I leave you. It's to your advantage. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will. Convict the world of sins, of righteousness, and of judgment. He explains now a little. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear them now. However, when he, who is he? The Spirit. Of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Think about this Jesus is with his disciples, he's been with them for three and a half years. They have seen him do Amazing things. I mean, they've seen him do things. They've seen him walk on water. That's pretty amazing. Peter tried it; didn't even work all the way. They've seen him raise the dead. I mean, not just those. I mean, he he walked by funeral processions and just ended them right then. He kicked out mourners out of a house to raise a girl from the dead. He rolled stones away from Lazarus, who was stinking by this point, raising him. I mean, he did some amazing things. Uh, When the people were hungry because he talked too long and they were out in the wilderness, he just said, hey, give me me that boy's lunch. I'm going to feed all of y'all. They watched him do some amazing things. And here he is now. Now he's speaking to them. you got to realize the context here where he's talking. He's, he's in his last moments. In fact, as he's saying this, he is, they're having their last supper. You know why it's called the last supper? Because it was the last supper with them. His last moments on earth, he's going to be crucified tomorrow. And he's spending these last moments with Thelma. And he's telling them, look, look, it's to your advantage that I'm leaving you. And they've got to be thinking, are you crazy? I couldn't imagine life without you. All the things that I've seen, all the things that I've heard and All of this, I I can't imagine life without you. And Jesus saying, look, all the amazing things you heard from me, there's so much more. I wish I could tell you, but I don't have time. But, but, but I'm not leaving you without a helper. I'm going to send him and it's to your advantage that I leave because, because he's not just going to be in earthly form like me, just in this one spot, but no, he will be with all of you, and he'll take it a little step farther. He'll be in all of you so that he can teach you, so that he can help you, so that he can be with you constantly forever. He, he's, he uses this phrase, he said, he said to describe the Holy Spirit. He said, I, I'm going to send a helper, the King James Version. How many's ever read that? Said, I'm gonna send ye. Yeah, that's the King James Version right there. Comforter. Or or another translation puts it as an advocate. An advocate that that word that greek word and it is perikletos that's that's used there for helper comforter advocate it 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 means this literally just to be close by and to make a call that that's what in other words in other words what he's saying i'm going to send send you an advocate a legal advocate I'm going to send you someone who will be so near to you, so close to you, that will make the right judgment calls in your life. How awesome is that? Someone who will make the right call. He's not a bad ref. He's a. I mean, he'll make the right call in your life. What you need uh, What you need at that moment. What decisions you've got to go through. I'm telling you. That's why Jesus said it's to your advantage. Because, how many times you go through life and you just wish, man, I wish I had somebody who could tell me what to do? And I think so many times the Holy Spirit's going, hello, that's me, that, that was my job. Come on, why don't you ask me? I think I'll ask someone else. What, what do you think I should do? What do you think? I Don't you wish that you would just listen the first time the Holy Spirit is he's speaking to you? And Jesus saying, look, it's to your advantage that I go because this one will never leave you. And he'll be in you and he'll speak with you and he'll give you those decisions. I don't know if you realize this, but the Holy Spirit wants to speak into your life. You see, I grew up and I was thinking, I thought the Holy Spirit was just there so I could feel His presence. That's all I I, I I thought it was just He was just there so that I could just just feel it. So that my hairs would stand up on the back of my neck. So that so that in a really good service I could cry. So that so that in a really, really good service. The Holy Spirit would move so much that the preacher went preaching. I thought that was the best service ever i didn't didn't have to listen to my dad. We'll cut that part out on our podcast later. That's what I thought. In fact, I didn't even understand the closeness of him because because what happens is because he's described as a spirit, I think sometimes there's a little bit of a misunderstanding. We don't even really understand what he's like, and we just automatically think, well, that's a little weird. I can relate to the Heavenly Father because I have a father. I can relate to Jesus Christ, the Son, because because he's, he's a person in flesh Form when he came to Earth, so so I can relate. But but they talk about the spirit, and we don't understand the spirit, and we think, well, that's weird. And and we even refer to him as an it. Well, have y'all ever? I mean, we sing songs about it. I got it. I got it. We we're clever with our songs. It repeated itself constantly. I got it. I got it, I got it, I got it, something about the power of the Holy Ghost, I can't explain it, yeah, because I didn't study it, but I got it, ooh, I got it, can I tell you he's not an it, he's a person. When I say he's a person, he's a person of the Godhead. He's when I say he's a person, I didn't not saying he's human, I'm saying he is a person, he's a fear, he has emotions, he has feelings, he has a mind, he has a will, he has all of these attributes and he wants to have a relationship with you and he wants to speak to you closely. See we we can hear his voice. Because if we come to Christ, it was the Holy Spirit who introduced us to Christ. It was the Holy Spirit whose job was to convict you of your sins. It was the Holy Spirit who let you know you needed a Savior in the first place. So you can hear Him. We might call Him a conscience when He convicts us but you can hear him but I, but can i tell you he wants to speak to you more than just that he wants to have this personal relationship to where he's your teacher he's your guide he's your comfort every christian wants to be in the will of god that i know in fact most of the time when i when people ask for co- or counseling that's the question they ask for I want to know God's will. I remember, remember one time at, at a youth camp, and youth kids get weird. They're weird. The Holy Spirit's not, but youth kids are. <laughs> I remember a youth camp, had a kid just come up to me, and he wanted to pray. He said, will you pray for me? I said, yeah, what do you want to pray for? I want to know the will of God in my life. Close closed his, his eyes, held out his hands, and goes, I said, I'm going to need a little bit more info than that. I want to know the will of God in my life. We all want to know the will of God in our life. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to tell you a little secret how to know His will. How to, how to know His will is, is, is His general will is you need to know His word. If you don't know his word, you won't know his general will. Say, I just wish God would speak to me. He did. A lot. It's for you. Open it up. That's his general will, but, but more specifically, if you want to know the specific will of God in your life, in your life, not just the general will. You want to know the specific will? It's by a Spirit. Because He's your advocate. So he'll make the right calls for you. Listen to me, you can't have a personal relationship with someone through somebody else. And too many times, that's what we're trying to do is we try and have a personal relationship with Him, but I'll do it through this person. Or I'll do it through that person. Or I'll do it through them. Listen, he wants a personal relationship with you and he wants to do it through you. God sent his spirit for that. You know, Jesus told the church, the apostles, in Acts 1-4, it says that being assembled together with them Jesus speaking, this is after he is raised from the dead, last moments again on earth. And he commanded on something strange. He said, Do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He used this phrase to describe, he's describing the Spirit right now. And he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait for the promise. The promise. The promise, the 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 promise, and the Old Testament. The Old Testament had this one, this this one big specific theme throughout the Old Testament, and it was this: that none of us were righteous enough to keep the standard. All of us would fail. All of us. I mean, he he broke out the law, and while he's writing the laws down, they're they're breaking the laws as soon as he's writing the Ten Commandments. When 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 Moses is on is on the the mountain, and and God's writing out with His finger the Ten Commandments, and He writes, Thou shalt not commit adultery. What are they doing at that moment? They are down there committing adultery. As He's writing, you shall have no other gods before Me. They're making a golden calf to worship. Throughout the Old Testament, it was this one thing that you cannot do this. You are not righteous enough in yourself. You will always fail. How many knows that's true? You have regrets because of it. You have, you have just guilt because of it. Because we all mess up. We all make the mistakes. We all cannot do this on our own. So throughout the Old Testament, God, God said He promised two things. He promised throughout that he would promise to give his son. And he promised to give his spirit. With his son he said I'm going to give you my best. But when he gives his spirit he's really saying I'm giving you my all. I've got nothing left. Everything I'm giving to you. Ezekiel 36 is where the promise is. It's In verse 24 it says for I will take you from among the nations gather you out of the countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Do you see that? I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a new flesh. I will put my spirit, the promise, I will put my Spirit within you to walk in my statues that you will keep my judgments and do them. Because when the Holy Spirit is in you, now I can walk in it where I couldn't walk in it alone, where I failed by myself, where every time I always failed, now God says, look, I'm going to give you my son. He'll cleanse you. But but, but I'm not just going to leave you with that. I'm going to give you my spirit and he'll be in you so that now you can walk in this righteousness. It's his spirit. Can't. Think about when Jesus said, uh, I want you to stick around in Jerusalem and wait on the promise. He didn't say, "It, it boggles my mind because it wasn't, it wasn't, hey, go start a church. He didn't give the instructions of go, go and and win the lost. He didn't give the instructions. He didn't say, Go witness to everybody, tell them about me. He gave them this instruction go to Jerusalem and wait. I don't want you to do a single thing without the promise. I don't want you to start a church. Peter, I don't want you to preach a message. I don't want you to witness any I don't want you to do nothing without the Holy Spirit in your life. And think about that that it's so powerful that Jesus said, "I don't want you to do anything." Realize the church, the church was born out of the Spirit. And this mentality that we have within the church that says we can do it without the Holy Spirit boggles my mind. It boggles me to think that if we can just operate within this program this certain way, we'll do greater than what the Holy Spirit can do in us. Or if we just have this going on or that going on, uh, that then maybe we can win the loss. No, listen, uh, the church was birthed from the Spirit, and the church cannot maintain itself without the Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit in you. The enemy tries to tell you, but don't. It's weird. It's weird to me to think I can do this on my own. When I have proven to myself that I fell without Him, to think I can do it on my own—how arrogant we become! That I don't need the Spirit that we can do this with that. No, we need the Spirit in our lives. That's why, that's why what happened on the day of Pentecost, I'm going to explain a little bit more now. In Acts chapter 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost... And that was not speaking in tongues, that was just tongue-tied. Somebody in the back is going, oh, you got it. No. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I told you a couple of weeks ago, I explained baptism of the Spirit, but I didn't hit filled with the Spirit. And what that means, filled with the Spirit. They were all filled with the Spirit. There, there's a Greek word and look at me, I'm trying to throw out Greek because I've got U.S. missionaries here and I'm trying to impress. There's this Greek word called um, plerou. If you say it fast with confidence, it works. It means filled. It means filled to capacity. How I many knows, I mean, where it's like filled to the brim, uh, that's this Greek word, plero, that, that that means filled to capacity. And I'm thinking... Uh, when I'm reading this, it would probably be that word that, oh, they are so full of the Holy Spirit that there's no room for anything else. They were filled with the Holy Spirit full to capacity. That's not the Greek word that's used. There was another Greek word that was plethro. I don't know if I said that right, but you don't either. <laughs> plethro means this. It doesn't mean filled to capacity. It means filled to overflowing. Oh, now that's different. We've tried our best to contain it. To contain his presence, filled to capacity, that I can walk and I don't let any of it slip out. That I can hold him all in and he's just mine. That I can feel good because he's in me and I'm full. Filled to capacity. Playroom. But the Holy Spirit said, no, nah, I'm not feeling you that way. I'm feeling you to plethora. I'm feeling you to overflowing. So that everywhere you walk. Oh, come on. When I'm walking In His Spirit. Come on. When I'm being guided by Him... Everywhere I walk, I'm leaving a residue of his presence because it's just flowing out of me. That's the life changing that makes the difference. That was the thing in the early church that changed the world. It wasn't trying to contain him. It was realizing that he wants to overflow out of me. So everywhere I go, I'm leaving his presence. I'm leaving a remnant. So when Peter's walking down, the street and his shadow is healing people that are sick it's really the presence of the spirit that's just flowing out of him onto the shadow and it's just overflowing raising up those that are sick I'm telling you that's the difference that God wants to do in you through him he wants to flow out of you and we get stuck trying to contain him And control him. Listen, he doesn't want that for you. We wonder why I can't make a difference in someone else because maybe you're not leaving his presence in the room. Maybe you just walked in the room and you just filled it with your presence. And you left a piece of yourself. But God's saying, no, I want you to leave a piece of me. I want to fill you to overflowing. See, it's this kind of feeling that changes our families. It's this kind of feeling that changes those around us. Here's the great thing. That, that Peter explained what just took place later in Acts, Acts two and fifteen it says, "For these aren't drunk as you suppose, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. You can go ahead and play, man. You're up here. You... But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, that shall come to pass in the last days," says God in the last days the the last days now if he poured out his spirit in acts on the church but the promise is for the last days do you think we are not in those i don't know is there a day after last In other words, he's still pouring because the promise is that in the last days I will pour. And since his pouring doesn't end, if you stand under the spout, you'll overflow. I will pour. Pour. Pour out my spirit on all flesh tell your neighbor i'm in all i'm i'm in all i'm part of the all yay let me explain in case you don't understand what all means i'm going to pour it out your sons and your daughters they'll prophesy they're not too young He doesn't doesn't say, when you get a little bit older, I can use you. I love to speak to you when you're grown. Ah, No, I'll use him. Sons and daughters, they'll prophesy. Young men, they'll see visions. Old men, they're sleeping all the time. They're doing dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maidservants I will pour. And those who thought they weren't worthy, the slaves, the servants. Those who thought I'm not good enough. One, have you ever been there? Have you ever been the slave in the situation? It's probably for someone else, not me. No, no, no. No, he's still talking to you. He said, I'm going to pour it out on you too. I'll pour it out in those days. Listen, this was so vital, so important. Even when Paul, Paul came to Christ on that Damascus road, jesus speaking to him that you're going to do great things you're going to win the you're going to you're going to change and bring christ to the gentiles but he even told him now go there and wait because you're not going to do it without my presence and it wasn't until the holy spirit was poured out in him that he was able to go out Listen, He wants to not just be with you. He wants to be in you. He wants to flow out of you. To change those around you. Here's the thing. Will you let Him? I want you to stand with me. I want to explain one one thing. I I start off with the Scripture of Jesus just speaking one of the roles of the Spirit. I love this. It's how personal He is to you in your life. Jesus said that... It it, it was back in John 16 and 8 as He's explaining the role. Verse 8, He said, When He comes... He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. I think we don't catch that. And we we think, man, he's mean. Now, let let me explain his role. He convicts of sin. In other words, he's saying he'll be the one who will let you know, not condemn you But convict you. Condemnation says that's who you are. That's who you'll always be. Condemnation uh, won't call out the sin, uh, it will just call out the sinner and define you by your sin. Condemnation says she's an adulterer. Condemnation says he's a liar. Condemnation, that's thats condemnation. Uh, conviction is, uh, no, you're not that, but you're doing that. We can fix this. He'll let you know what's wrong. And then it goes, and of righteousness. So in other words, he'll convict you. He'll say, look, you're doing this wrong, there's a right standard to live by, we can do this together. And of judgment. At that point, how many knows who the ruler of the world is because Jesus explained it a little bit later after that, he explained Satan and the judgment that comes on? Here's what the Holy Spirit does. He constantly reminds you, yes, you sinned, We can walk through this together and don't worry about him because he's already defeated. Don't listen to him anymore. I've already got him taken care of. Walk with me. How awesome is that to have him in your life constantly telling you that past is the past. But I've got something for you. Let's walk in this. Don't you want that in your life? Thanks for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Have a great week and make an impact on those around you.